Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It's me, Dr. Yuandi, your host. And this episode is part three of our four-week series on what I wish more women knew about. And today we're going to be talking about money. So what I wish more women knew about money. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. And first of all, if the audio of this recording sounds a little bit off, it's because I'm recording this week's episode on my phone. I was away for the weekend and really just wanted to make sure I got this episode out this week. So I just, I'm making do with what I have. But all that to say, thank you for tuning in. As always, I do appreciate you taking the time to pop your earbuds in, to connect this podcast to your car, whether you're driving back home from work or to work, whether you're in the gym, whether you're folding laundry. I appreciate you for listening. And so welcome to this week's episode. If you are new, thank you for choosing to follow this podcast. And you may or may not know how much I love talking about money. So I am a therapist, but I'm also a certified financial literacy workshop facilitator. And all that means is that I have taken training to be able to facilitate financial literacy workshops. I've offered courses on money. I do presentations about money. And all of that took a bit of a backseat while I grew my therapy practice, but still doesn't take away from the fact that I love discussing money because money is only, I would say, probably about 30% numbers, if that. But the majority of money is primarily driven by the mind. It's primarily driven by psychology, by emotions, by thoughts, by our upbringing, our experiences, which, of course, is right up my alley as a therapist. And on top of that, from my perspective, where I sit as a therapist across from my clients, across from my patients, I know and I've seen that money is a big source of stress for a lot of them, whether it's spending it, making it, paying off debt. The impact on money, on their relationship, is a huge, huge source of stress. And so today I wanted to continue our series on what I wish more women knew about. And today we're going to be talking about money. And so the first things that I wanted to highlight about money that I wish more women knew about is that your current financial situation and stressors have very little to do with your level of intelligence. Because I know a lot of women go through the struggle of, I am an excellent lawyer, I'm 
a super physician. I am excellent at my job. I run my household. I do all of that. But for some reason, this money thing is like a completely different language, right? It has nothing to do with your intelligence level because even if you are a math whiz, you could still have this money issue turning you upside down and inside out. And this is because your financial situation and stressors related to money can be as a result of your, and and probably are a result of your childhood experiences and maybe even up until your early adulthood experiences. So whether you are a compulsive saver or an impulsive spender, an emotional spender, maybe you hoard your things, maybe you buy more than you, you buy things in excess. A lot of your behaviors around money can be tied to the things that you saw growing up, the things that you heard growing up, your childhood experiences, specifically when it comes to money. So for example, last weekend, I heard the story about a lady who always shied away from promotions at work. So promotions or opportunities that would increase her income, she would shy away from them. And this is something that she wasn't aware of until she actually started to pay attention and did some work with journaling. It turns out that memories from her childhood started to come up when her parents became more successful in their careers, the family moved to a bigger home, um, and what ended up happening was the family wasn't as close because they were all spread out in different parts of the home, right? And so they weren't as close. The parents were always stressed. They weren't as available as they used to be for the family. And so she realized that a lot of the times when she would pass up opportunities, whether it was to move to a bigger home or opportunities to grow her income, she would say, no, thank you, because a lot of that resistance was tied to her experience as a child. And this is just one of several examples that I can think of off the top of my head. Because if you have memories of your mom, for example, crying at the kitchen table every month over the bills, you probably have a narrative about money being the source of pain, the source of sadness. And your actions might then come as a result of that. You might end up doing things subconsciously to avoid thinking about money, avoid talking about money. You might even go as far when probed And when someone asks the right series of questions to land on a conclusion that money is evil, money is bad, I hate money. So it's very important for you to identify what your money story is, especially if it's ending up, if it's resulting in you getting in the way of the things that you actually want. Okay, so identify your experiences and the stories that have come up based on your experiences around money. Now, the second thing that I wanted to mention when it comes to money is that many of us have this opinion that if only I could earn more so I could pay off this debt or so I could buy the things that I want or buy the things that my family needs or so I can go on this trip. If only I could earn more, if I could earn more, if I could earn more. 
But the truth is that the way you handle $1,000 is the same way you're going to handle $10,000. The way that you handle a job that pays you $30,000 a year is the same way you're going to handle the income that comes from a job that pays you $230,000 a year. I'm sure you've heard of stories of people who will win the lottery and then in a few short years, the money is all gone, especially particularly if they had poor financial habits or poor money habits to begin with. Our habits don't all of a sudden change once we enter into a higher paying job, right? The habits will follow us. And so this is why it's so important to address your money habits now, even if you feel like you're not earning the type of money that you want to earn. It's the same reason why we don't wait until we are healthy to start eating right, to start exercising, hydrating, sleeping well, to start imbibing these healthy lifestyle habits. We don't wait until we're physically fit before we start doing all these things. Money is the same way. You don't wait until you have that higher paying job. You don't wait until you're debt free. You don't wait until you are financially healthy and independent to start practicing healthy money habits. It is those healthy money habits that are going to get you to the point where you are managing your money, getting rid of debt, and feeling more financially secure overall. I want to highlight that there is such a thing as money trauma. If there isn't officially a definition of money trauma, I haven't looked it up, but 100%, I believe that there is such a thing as money trauma. And what that is, is that our unhealthy relationship with money currently is as a result of our unhealthy experiences with money. These unhealthy experiences with money have left an imprint that impacts the way that we engage with money in unproductive, self-sabotaging way, unless it's addressed and unless it's dealt with. It's the same with our relationships. Unhealthy relationship experiences with people as we're growing up, in childhood, early adulthood, when they leave an imprint on us, this imprint can then color the way in which we engage with other people and we tend to carry this pattern from one relationship to the other if it's, a, if it's not appropriately dealt with. And all of this goes back to what I said in the first point that I made, which is it's so important to identify what that trauma is, what that money story is, identify what your patterns are when it comes to your spending. Do you have triggers when you're bored? As you're spending triggered by comparison, when your bank account reaches a certain limit, do you then try to spend all that money or give it all away because subconsciously you believe that there is a negative association between your morality as a person and the amount of money that you have, right? It's important to understand and identify what are your anxieties about money? What are your anxieties around money and deal with them? If you have a therapist, this might be something that you'd want to bring up with your therapist. But journaling, journaling is actually a free and surprisingly effective way to start the process, to start this process of addressing your relationship with money. 
by asking yourself questions to go deeper with your thoughts. You know, why do I avoid talking about money? What are some of my earliest memories around money? When I think about money, what are some of the words that come to mind? And just writing the answers down, some of these things will surprise you, but they'll help you identify what some of these beliefs and these thoughts and feelings and emotions and these stories that you have around money that are showing up in your mental health. Okay, everything starts with this non-judgmental curiosity around the decisions that you're making, this curiosity around your behaviors when it comes to money. And of course, if you have a therapist, this would be something that you could certainly bring up with them. Okay? And so the third point that I want to make is that having a plan around your money can be an anxiolytic. So many of us are so anxious about our money, but we don't realize that having a plan can take away a majority of that anxiety. Too many of us prefer to just bury our heads in the sand when it comes to getting a grasp on our finances and really taking a good look at what our financial picture looks like. And so we think that avoiding will make things better. And yes, avoiding the situation can feel better temporarily. But the truth is that our anxieties around money will find a way to surface one way or the other. It could surface through waking up in the middle of the night worried about bills. It could surface when our kid breaks something in the house and we go into this yelling match because subconsciously we're anxious about our financial picture and how much money we might be spending. It might show up as getting nervous or counting the days leading up to payday because we're leaving paycheck to paycheck. It might show up as feeling guilty about spending money on yourself, even though you know that you need some of these things, whether it's paying for therapy, whether it is paying for an exercise class, you feel guilty about it because you're not really sure if you have this disposable income to actually be spending on things that are making you feel better and things that are making you healthier. It's important to have a plan when it comes to your money especially if you're feeling guilty, anxious, nervous, because contrary to popular belief, you can have a plan for your money that allows you to pay off debt, allows you to pay for your bills, allows you to build a secure financial future for yourself while still enjoying the things that bring you light, that make you feel relaxed, that bring you joy. It all comes from having a plan that allocates your money appropriately. So this is where I would recommend, again, having a financial counselor, a financial planner, which is different from a financial advisor who handles your investment. So a financial planner, a financial counselor, or a therapist who is comfortable with talking about coming up with a plan for your money. And yes, yeah, you might have to pay for some of these services, but the truth is that you are losing far much more money by not addressing the situation, by burying your head in the sand. I like to say that having a plan for your money is like turning on the light switch in a room that prior to putting on the light was just full of shadows and shapes and 
The shadows were scary because you didn't know what they were. You had no idea where the shapes were coming from. But once you flip the light on, now you know what you're dealing with. And now you can navigate the a whole lot better. And there's a sense of calm, peace in that, you know what, things are not exactly where we want them to be. But at least now we know what the situation is. And so now we can start to tackle it by coming up with a plan. Like I said before, money and mental health are so, in- are so interconnected. And a lot of it can be linked to your childhood experiences, your early adulthood experiences, and the trauma, the, the unhealthy relationship that you may have had around money. All of us, our experiences shape the way that we engage with money. And so what might make sense to you and the way you handle money might, make, might not make sense to somebody else. And what another person is doing to them makes complete sense because of their experiences. Whereas to you, you're like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But the truth is we all have a lens through which we look at our money and our financial situations. And it's important, especially if you are in a couple, part of a couple, to understand that there's differences in the way you approach money and the way your partner approaches money. And oftentimes you might need someone to help meet in the middle to get you to see things from each other's perspective. And so all in all, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to bring up some of your anxieties around money with your therapist. Because like I said before, yes, money is about the numbers, but the majority of money is about psychology. It's about the mind. It's about our emotions. It's about our behaviors. And if you don't have a therapist yet, start by journaling, start by writing out. You can look online for different prompts, journal prompts for talking about money. And I mentioned some of them earlier on in the episode and doing so will help you gain a deeper understanding around your own money mindset, your own set of beliefs around money. And I'm sure it will be very enlightening for you. And it will also offer the opportunity for healing that is probably long overdue when it comes to the relationship between your mental health and your money. Okay, I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it. Please share it because someone else is going to find it helpful as well. And until next time, friend, remember that I'm here always fiercely advocating for your success and your happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Di, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.